All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of What's What BR. We have Mayor Chair, Mayor President Sharon Weston room with us again. How are you? Doing great, Brandon. It's a it's a great day in Baton Rouge. So far, so good. <laughs> the if you look outside, it is beautiful, it is amazing, it is a perfect day. Just don't go walk out in it. It's yeah. you might melt. <laughs> Well, you know what? I, I I need to take a walk. I'm in my office and I have purposed uh, to do more walking in the uh, near my office. I love to walk. And when I get off of work, however, I'm not as motivated as I am when I'm sitting here looking at the beautiful sunshine out of my window. So I might take a 15 minute walk uh, before the uh, day work day here is over. <laughs> yeah, I know that. I said I was going to start riding the bike again in October when it cools off because yeah. I'm really, I picture myself getting like halfway around the neighborhood and like falling over it in someone's yard and someone finding me and it becoming this bad situation with this heat. So, but it is a great day. We're getting there. We're cooling off. Um, a lot happening here. There's a lot um, good. There's a lot bad, a lot indifferent, but Diving in for everyone's time's sake because you've got more important things to do than talk to me. Where are we? Vaccine kind of things. How are things happening there? Well, there's always room for improvement on the uh, vaccination front. Uh, right now, we in East Baton Rouge Parish, we have 42.7% uh, of our parish that is fully vaccinated. Now, the good news is this is over a 1% increase since just last week. And 1% actually represents a few thousand people. So that's the good news. And the Pfizer vaccine officially has full FDA approval now. And so our hope is that this stamp of approval will encourage more of our residents to get vaccinated. We have a community vaccine site at the Mall of Louisiana. Our site is located on the boulevard between Sephora and the Apple store. So if people want to get vaccinated, they can get a free Pfizer vaccine administered from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Tuesday through Saturday. And there's no appointment needed. So there are dozens of vaccine sites across our parish. And you can find additional sites at brla.gov forward slash COVID. We all know, Brandon, that really vaccines are the best tool that we have to protect ourselves and our loved ones from COVID-19. They're quick, easy, free, and they can save lives. And, you know, I understand that some people within our community may not want to receive a vaccine, but I'm really asking people to consider our children who can't get a vaccine. So uh, your immunocompromised friend who is at risk and the medical professionals who have worked so hard since day one, it helps them also when you get vaccinated. So vaccines will definitely help us fight the surge we're seeing uh, in our hospitals and protect ourselves from severe outcomes. It's, it's out there. They're everywhere. You know, you can see everybody's getting them. I think I read today, LSU said you were going to have to have a vaccine or a, I think it was a negative yes. COVID the test within 72 hours, I think it's 72 hours to, you know, to be able to go to a football game. So I would think that alone would probably get a bunch of people to go get a vaccine <laughs> the way that everybody wants to get into Tiger Stadium. And I'm, looking, 
I'm looking very closely at our mitigation efforts now that the uh, Pfizer has been approved by FDA. And so we'll, uh, we might be transitioning, might be transitioning into some uh, changes here uh, in our workplace uh, for the health and well-being of our um, employees. So taking a look at that here in city parish government. Yeah, no, it's, it's a lot to, it's, I don't want your job. Don't want it. Don't want to have to look at it. Don't want to have to make those decisions. So Brandon, if I may, I will tell you this though. I believe that it's better for us to use our resources on vaccines and encouraging people to get vaccinated. That's where we are right now in terms of uh, vaccinations. And so these conversations are ongoing about vaccine testing requirements for our employees because um, we were anticipating the FDA announcement. So number one priority is our health and safety, is the health and safety for our employees here in city parish government. The city, is everyone, are y'all back in? work or is it kind of oh, a yeah. mixed bag you know we, everybody's back in back, the office we've been back for quite some time mm-hmm. yeah i never asked in the previous i guess i kind of assumed that we all get up and go to work so yeah that's good so tell me what do you know have you heard anything you know you, i've had here we're in kind of the hospitals you know we get a mixed bag you know of i tell people do not get your news on social media you know try not to it's go fact fine but have you heard anything you know, there we're constantly kind of getting little updates and text messages make their way out, but figured you might know more. Yeah, well, I will tell you, um, our hospitals here in uh, Baton Rouge, specifically between Our Lady of the Lake Oshner and Baton Rouge General Hospitals, there were 414 COVID plus hospitalized patients um, since August the 21st. Uh, and we had 370 were unvaccinated of those patients and 44 were vaccinated. So really this is the lowest COVID hospitalizations that we've been between these, that have been between these three entities since August 5th. And so while the numbers are on a downward trend where uh, from where we were just a few days ago, we are still at some point um, we still have some of the highest hospitalizations uh, that we've had throughout this pandemic. So still have to uh, work on that. But as a business owner who's wired to be an optimistic, it's getting better. We're, you know, it's yeah. trending in the right direction. Trending so we're not right. out of the woods yet, but we're walking our way out, hopefully. And Brandon, I have to tell you this, you know, we tend to see, surges during the holiday season. And, you know, uh, we have a holiday coming up, Labor Day, which is right around the corner. So I just wanted people to be uh, kind of on watch for mitigating during that season as well. During that long I tend to work on Labor Day, it seems like. It's the only day I can get into the office and actually get a lot of work done because everybody else is out doing something else. Yeah. So, so, so you lit, you take Labor Day literally then? <laughs> I didn't get the memo. We were all supposed to not labor on Labor Day. I thought it was to do extra. So I uh, thought it was just everybody went to work and you weren't allowed to call each other or send an email or a text and just get the work done that needs to be done. 
So speaking of work needs to get done, we had some drainage that we've talked about the last, you know, a couple of months we've been on. We had originally, I think this was maybe three or four months ago, kind of the initiative kind of kicked off. I lose track of time these days, but, and we've been getting some updates. We had a bunch of people report in, you know, going online and reporting, you know, this is where water's holding. This is where we're getting water. We flooded. We didn't flood. How's that project moving? Well, first of all, you know, I want to tell our citizens that I thank them for giving us feedback um, in terms of issues that they're having um, with water uh, management in their areas. Because the truth is that helps us as we uh, continue to build our stormwater master uh, plan. But, you know, back in July, um, when I spoke with you, we had 644 drains completed, 800,000 pounds of debris removed, and 1,300 linear feet of drainage pipes cleared. This was all through the $20 million initiative, drainage initiative that I implemented uh, through our American Rescue Dollars. So now uh, we have more work that's underway, like our five tributaries project, our stormwater master plan, which is going to provide a comprehensive analysis of our parish drainage system. You know, we have analyzed, and I love putting numbers to this information because it um, enlarges the thought process of what exactly is going on when we talk about, you know, the five tributaries or the stormwater master plan. So with the stormwater master plan, we have analyzed 60,000 drainage structures throughout East Baton Rouge Parish to fully understand how water flows through our parish. Now, with that information, with that data, it is helping us um, provide, uh, uh, address some of the drainage issues that we have. Um, and it's helping us this data will to build a more resilient community as well. And so between that and, you know, our um, Jones Creek, Wars Creek, Bayou Fountain, Blackwater Bayou and Beaver uh, Bayou, um, many, much of this work has started. Some will be starting later this year. And so we will see changes forthcoming. I understand probably not soon enough for the average citizen, but it's, we're working, we're working. I'm still stuck back when you said 60,000 drained. Like that's, that's a lot of data to capture in such a short amount of time. You know, it like we talked about this, you've had, you know, these guys have kind of ran, ran for it. I don't know how to say it any other way, but they've, you know, identified the incredible amount and put it all, all together. I can imagine the more data that we have, the better it gets. And then you can identify where to start. But this is one of those things that, I feel like kind of when we first started talking, we brought it up originally and we're actually seeing, you know, hey, here's the plan. You know, we have the money. This is what we're going to go do. We're going to need input. We get input. We get the data. Now we start actually acting. You know, we're seeing something kind of make full circle. You know, like you said, it's maybe not where everybody wants it just yet, but it's moving forward. Right. You know, this is we've collected enough data where people can kind of see the problem rather than just react to it. They can be proactive rather than reactive. So are you still looking for people? Is it still able people can report in? So is it still collecting yes. data? 
We're still collecting data, so people can certainly uh, reach out to us at uh, brla.gov, um, and there's information on um, stormwater management, and you can certainly report information there, or you can report it to 311. I'm curious. I probably know the answer to this, but how nice would it be if we got all these people that reported all the bad standing water and, you know, here's all the problems. If we could get them to come back when it was over with and say, like, would you report that it's not holding water anymore? And like it is, you know, the problem was solved. I think too many times people like to just complain. And it's like, once it's fixed, it's like, well, it should have been that way. So I'm not going to go back and let anybody know that it was fixed, but it would be nice with that much data points to actually see like, Hey, you had a problem. You reported, we solved it for you. You know, you're not having standing water. You're not getting water in this area, but it'd be nice to see that. I I agree. And I believe as we work through these projects that when people see the changes that will take place, that they will uh, reach out and give us feedback about the uh, mitigation that has taken place since these projects uh, started. And, and I have to say this, Brandon, because listen, I, I know I sound like a broken record with this, but I've got to say it. I understand flooding firsthand, you know, because in 2016, my home flooded. So I understand the frustration, the anxiety, the emotional upheaval. I totally get it. That's why it's such a priority for me to work on this. Um, but I also understand, and this is where the education piece comes in, is that water is a way of life here in South Louisiana. The amount of rainfall, in fact, I don't have that data with me right now, but next time I'll have it. We've, we've received more rainfall this year uh, than we have in years past. But what people have to know is that the rainfall continues to become more voluminous, you know, more deluge um, that we're dealing with. And it's not the same water um, uh, rain events that we had 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And so what we have, what we're now working on is working to improve our systems so that we can manage the new, um, as someone put it, showers on steroids that we are experiencing in our city and in our parish. That's funny. Somebody told me that the other day that we have, we've had more rain this year than we had, you know, during the 2016 flood. Yeah. And they were also at the same conversation we were talking about because they were having to get, and this is where, I think if you're living it, you know you're living it, but a lot of people don't realize how many people are struggling. It's not like that we're flooding every day, but it's been so much rain that it's causing foundation problems for a lot of people in their homes. And a lot of these companies that do foundation work are getting, you know, they're telling people, you know, they're backed up because they've got, you know, people that are on, you know, what is it, built uh, pier and beam, you know, the different, you know, structures there. They've got the foundations that are sinking. And I was, we had this conversation with, with uh, someone and there was just like, why would your foundation? They were like, because we've had so much rain and it's just nonstop. And, and I, you know, I'm trying to be the voice to let people realize, you know, when we're talking about, you've got this initiative, this, you know, drain is trying to figure it out and how to solve it. You know, we always say, you know, East Baton Rouge Parish, you know, that's what we're looking at, you know, here, but what I think, 
if memory serves, I think the parish is like like 400, it's like 470, almost 500 square miles that mm-hmm. people don't realize how big this isn't driving up and down I-10 and you got yeah. some drainage problems here. There, This yeah. is a, we're a big parish and there's a lot of ground to cover. And I don't think people take that into an account. They're like, well, it's easy when it floods, it just floods here, here, and here. Right. Well, there's a lot of work that's involved in trying to cover 470 square miles, 60 something thousand drainage I forgot what you said, but it's a lot of work and it's getting there. Yes. So, so that's good. I think we're making progress there and hopefully everybody will just understand that we are. Um, I did want to talk because you've got, you know, now this advisory, a youth advisory council Mm -hmm. where we talked the last couple of months, you know, kind of about the youth workforce, you know, program, but this is not to be confused you have now a youth advisory council. So you mind telling me a little kind of yeah. how this came to be or what, you know, what's Absolutely. the story? It has certainly been promulgated over the years among mayors and every mayor I'm sure has their own spin uh, around it. But I will tell you, I feel very committed uh, to advancing the uh, youth in our community and to creating the next generation of leaders, or should I say, contributing to the next generation of leaders. Um, a singer, India Ree, has a song and she calls it Better People. And she says, part of the lyrics say, when young people talk to old people and old people talk to young people, it makes us better people. And so um, I couldn't agree more. So that's what um, our Mayor's Youth Advisory Council is about. And we're launching it for the year 21, 22. Uh, Every time we have it, every year, we select a group of 10 to 12th graders to serve as advocates for the youth in our city and in our parish. So they become the voice for the youth in our city and our parish contributing to the mayor's office. Uh, We didn't do it last year because of the pandemic, but we're getting back on board this year. And we're accepting students from public, private, and charter schools, and we'll allow each school to have up to two representatives. Now, applications will close September 8th. So you need mm. to get your application in at myacbr.com. That's myacbr.com slash apply. And selected participants will have regular meetings twice a month and will attend events and activities uh, relative to their initiatives and interests. Um, We have programs that they can participate in, such as community service projects, website development and management, internship opportunities, and professional development. So calling all uh, students between 10th and 12th grade to come on and join the mayor's youth advisory council uh and that deadline is rapidly approaching september the 8th that's i was right about to say what's the age on that I'm, you don't want my eight-year-olds on that council they'll tell you all they you know they just need minecraft and roblox that's all they need they'll be happy <laughs> um, sometimes they have no, some so great ideas too those younger uh, uh the they kids. do it's yeah. it's funny i don't know if i'd mentioned it to you but 
there was an, a study that they did, and this could go down a rabbit hole. I won't let us, but it was on education, this longitudinal study that they did with kids. And they, every year they started like at kindergarten and they would ask them, what can you do with a paperclip? And you would think after we educated kids that by the time they got to be seniors, they'd have all these different ideas, but it went completely the other way around to where like every year they had less and less to where by the time they were seniors, it was just kind of, well, I guess I can clip some papers, maybe try to pick a lock. But like the younger kids were like, can the paperclip be a hundred feet tall and made of foam, you know, and they just, their minds were just wide open. And I think that's probably one of the good things that comes out of this, you know, youth advisories, because you've got, sometimes people are just kind of, well, that's the way we've always done it. That's the way that we're going to do it. And I think there's an old quote, you know, the um, trying to remember how it goes, but uh, it escapes me now. But to have some kind of new blood, some younger, you know, kids in there have a little bit of a voice. But I think even more so for them to get a chance to really understand how this process works. I think a lot of people, even, you know, my age, and I think people have kind of stepped away toward almost, you know, kind of government, they do their thing, and I'm going to do my thing, and they don't learn how the process works, so they don't learn how they can affect change, they don't learn who the people are, they feel unapproachable, you know, I remember, I remember one of the first couple times that we had a, you know, you'd come on the show, and I was telling some people, the mayor's from, they're like, why did you do that? I'm like, well, we asked, and she said, yes, you know, it was really simple. Like, well, how did you ask? It's like, well, we sent an email or a phone call. It, it's not, you know, you're the mayor, you know, here, but you're not untouchable. It's like, it's right. an easy right. ask. And yeah. so when these kids get on these councils, they can, you know, bring some new ideas. They can meet some people, people learn how it works and maybe you get a little bit of change out of it. Yeah. So Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited. So they've got until we've got roughly a week and a half-ish, two weeks, you okay. know, to kind of get an application in. Yes. So, and yes. you said it's two from each school? Correct. So, uh -huh. we, uh, of, we will accept two from uh, uh, each school. Each, we will allow each school to have up to two representatives. Wow. That could be a lot of, you know, people. I'm yeah. just thinking the amount of them. We might be, so, we might be going. We might be going beyond the uh, normal uh, in normal number, but um, I, I think we'll be able to manage manage it because I know we're going to implement some uh, virtual experience into this as well. Well, that's awesome. Well, like I always say, everybody's got more important things to do than talk to me, especially you. I know you've got a busy day. There's a bunch going on. We're a Tuesday afternoon to date ourselves a little bit. So I appreciate you spending some time with us, kind of giving us an update on where things are, what's going on. And we love having you on every month to kind of give us the state of the union for the unofficial way. Well, thanks so much, Brandon. I enjoy this and uh, glad you're giving people an opportunity to kind of get a little up close and personal in terms of uh, what's going on in the city and in the parish. So have a great yeah. day. I think so. And I think, uh, is it September? Because I remember I ran into you pre-COVID. Don't we have, for anybody, you know, shameless plug, just for Baton Rouge, we get, don't we have the Michelangelo exhibit coming yes. out? Um, yes. I think that's over at the um, River Center, it, I think. It is. And yeah. the, um, let me give you the uh, date on that. I think I just looked at that. 
the exhibit is, I think it's the whole month. Yeah, it is the whole month. It's from September the 1st through the 30th. September yeah, so, mm -hmm. so kind of a big deal for Baton Rouge. It is. So it's, yeah. um, I remember you did the press conference. I was there That's last right. year, and then everything like shut down, and then we lost it, but we got it back. So, so if you're looking for something to do, that's uh, and you feel like, and you have a thing for art, that's something that somebody can go do. So, just thought I'd throw that in there. Absolutely. For those who hung out with us and listened the whole time, we appreciate <laughs> it. So. All right. So well, I appreciate the time. the time. Same awesome. here. You have a great day. You too, now.